0: Father, I pray that we would continually meditate upon your goodness, the goodness, Lord, of the day that you arrested our soul and brought us into your kingdom. How good it was, Lord, that you are with us and you will never leave us nor forsake us. The goodness that we have set before us that one day we will be in your presence. And Lord, just the good for today that you want to work through our service. And so, Lord, we just submit ourselves once more to you, that Holy Spirit, you would guide us and teach us, bring us through your word, Father, to a degree of maturity. Lord, in which you use us beyond our imagination, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. do not you turn to your neighbor and tell him, happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Good morning. Go ahead and turn to your Bibles. The 1st John chapter 2 will be picking back up at verse 24. And as always, if you arrived here today without a Bible and you'd like to follow along, there should be one in front of you underneath the seat. But if there isn't, if you raise your hands, the ushers will bring one to you. Does anybody need a Bible? There's one up there. 1st John chapter 2 will be picking up at verse 24 continue to pray for the sick of our church. Jim, as he recovers from his heart transplant, he's been uh, transferred to a rehabilitation center, and so he's going through all of the exercises and all the things that are necessary to get him back on his feet and moving forward, and again, we so look forward to the day that we'll be having fellowship with him again. Um, also, Donna has been remo- uh, not removed, but moved to a rehabilitation center as well. She's dealing with liver cancer, with uh, pneumonia, and a broken foot, and so kind of some serious things there, um, but continue to lift Donna up in prayer as well. Go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word, First John chapter 2. I'll start reading at verse 24, and today we'll just be going to verse 27. I know, I'm going for it today. <laughs> Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and it is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. And so, Father, we see that word abide that occurs so many times, and I pray, Father, that today, as with every time we open your word, that we would check our lives, that we would check our walks, that we would understand, Lord, the things that you have given us are for reasons and purposes. And so today, are we truly abiding in you? Show us what that means, and I pray, Father, that through that, you would strengthen our faith and hope, and Lord, just bring us to the place, once again, of maturity, that we are used by you in means that are beyond our abilities, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. What the Apostle John is telling us here, if we're really part of the family of God, we'll abide in the Lord and the things of the Lord, and we'll get into what that means. And I can relate to that as a head of the household, as a father of four children. When my kids were growing up, we would gather around the dinner table pretty much every night, and we would eat together because we're a family On Friday nights that was kind of family night we would get pizza and we'd make an ursioli pile on the floor and watch movies or whatever because that's just what we did and we were a family and I'm sure you guys have your little things and your little traditions and whatnot we would go on vacations and go there together because we were a family see you can be born into a family but if you're not abiding in that family if you're not part of that family are you really part of that family I can remember when the Lord was doing a work in my life, I didn't recognize it at the time, I wasn't even saved at the time, but I saw it in my life and I saw it in my children's lives. As a teenager, you start to disconnect. You're, you're no longer abiding as you were abiding before. Even into my 20s, I wasn't going on vacation with my parents and my brothers and sister so much anymore. And I was pulling away and God uses that disconnect because he was going to bring me to start in my own family. And as my kids and my wife and myself, as we abided together. We were a good, strong family, but then there was that disconnect. These boys would start coming around, my daughters and stuff, and start drawing their attention away from the one who really met. No, but... But it was a good thing. Um, but they did, and, and, and they start looking outside the family, and now they have started their own families, and they're abiding together, and they're just following on as God has called us to follow on. And so to abide means to remain a part of, to have a continual relationship. If you abide in a family, three things become apparent in that relationship with the authority figure. Obedience to the authority figure, love, and that authority figure will base his decisions and his leading of that family upon truth. Well how much more so our Father in heaven. Matter of fact, Jesus even pointed Jesus, John, Jesus through John, I guess, but nonetheless, John pointed this out in John chapter 15, where he used the illustration of a vine. And again, it's the same point. He says in verse one of chapter 15, "I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser." every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And so what is our purpose in this Christian life? Why does God have us in this world today? Is to bear fruit. Now my apricot tree, I know it's an apricot tree because this year, I've mentioned it before, you're probably sick and tired of hearing about it, but I got 12 apricots. You wouldn't know that because I didn't bring any in, but I did post it on the internet. That way nobody can eat them. We have a peach tree, that just, it just bore all kinds of peaches this year. We know it's a peach tree because of the peach tree. People know that you're a Christian. They'll know you, they'll know you by your fruit. But the only way you're going to be able to bear fruit is to stay connected. One morning, I went out in my backyard, and I was heartbroken because there was a little green apricot that somehow, some way, fell off the tree, or somebody knocked it, or a bird, or whatever, and what was going to happen to that? It was never going to ripen and bear the fruit that was intended. Matter of fact, it was just going to simply rot away, and there's many Christian lives that aren't connected to the vine, and they're simply just rotting away. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So the idea here is he's speaking to born-again believers. But in verse 4, he says, abide in me. So he's telling them to make this conscious decision to continually abide in the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, talking to born-again believers, talking to the church even today, You must abide, not in me, not in this church, but abide in Jesus Christ. Abide in me and I in you, As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing of any spiritual significance. You can do nothing in which the Lord has called you or commanded you to do. Why? Because all that we do must be done in the Lord Jesus Christ. So how are we to abide or stay connected to the true vine? Well, we know, we've been told here in 1 John, through God's word. And even more than that, through God's word illuminated by the Holy Spirit. There's the working of the two in our lives. The Word of God, as we sit and as we read it personally, as we come together corporately, as we study it, small groups and so on and so forth. But again, and again, the ladies are looking at the giftings of the Holy Spirit and what you're seeing in that, and you're seeing you know, on Tuesday morning and Tuesday night, you're seeing the work of the Holy Spirit and how the, work, uh, the Holy Spirit interacts in our lives and, and through the Word. So two integral parts here, the Word of God, but also the Holy Spirit not the power of God, but God who empowers us, empowers us by giving us understanding, giving us an ability, and motivating us to live it and to share it. And this is how it is to be for those who are abiding in the body of Christ, who are connected to the true vine. Anything else is a deception and is not of the Lord. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.1, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith. That means those who were in the faith, those who were connected to the the vine, but at some point they're going to disconnect from the vine. It says giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. There will be those who are deceived and then in turn themselves be deceivers as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 13 through 15, he's speaking of False prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their work. So it's they look really good from the outside. They maybe even sound, they're eloquent in speech and maybe a big building, ornate sanctuary, all of these things, but it's all superficial because the message, unfortunately, has been perverted. Why? Because they're connected to those things, or they're connected to a man behind a pulpit, or whatever it might be, and they're no longer connected to the true vine, that which you're going to get spiritual nourishment, that which is going to be the source for truth and rightness within the body of Christ. When that branch is severed, you're just like that little apricot that that fell on the ground. Not only is it not going to grow, but it withered away, and it just became dead, once again it, it it died apart from being connected to the vine so remember what we looked at last week with the apostle john has told us of those who did not abide and left the church i'm not going to read it right now but we saw it in verses 18 through 23 and what john was doing in those verses and we looked at it in depth john was kind of using a little play on words and he kind of does that throughout his epistle we have jesus christ remember christ Christ in the Greek, Messiah in the Hebrew, it means the anointed one. Jesus is the anointed one. But then he also brought up this concept of antichrist. Not the antichrist as far as in time antichrist, but he's talking about antichrist, small a, but plural, these people who are not anointed. And so you have these anti or instead of anointed ones. They have the appearance, but they're not teaching the truth ones who are not anointed. What are we? We call ourselves Christians. We are anointed ones. We are the ones who have been anointed for God's work. What does it mean to be anointed? We saw the definition of that in Acts chapter 10 verse 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. And so that's the key Jesus set the example so many times in his earthly ministry. For him, it was at the point of his baptism. It's not necessarily at the point of our baptisms, but it's at the anointing of the Holy Spirit as the Spirit alighted upon him like a dove, as the Spirit came upon him. As we have the Holy Spirit upon us, we are anointed for the work of ministry. We saw the example last week of the priest and the king in the Old Testament. These are men who have been called to lead God's people. They were to do a work that was bigger than them, one of the things that King David was concerned with his son Solomon, that the work was greater than him. And so we have this intimate prayer of King David seeking God to empower his son for the work that he set before him. But in each of these men, the king and the priest, they were anointed with oil, and the oil is a picture of the spirit that comes upon them. And what does it do? It saturates them. As they pour it on their head, it would be over their whole body. And the idea is is that these men who have been called to this particular ministry are now prepared because they are not acting in the flesh, but they are acting in the Spirit. And even for the right reasons, we can still act in the flesh. I mean, do you want to come up and see somebody behind the pulpit who is maybe a good teacher, maybe a sincere teacher, but is acting according to the flesh, is relying upon their own personal abilities? Or do you want to listen to, do you want to be taught by somebody who is filled with the Spirit and is enabled by God? And that extends to all works of ministry. Once again, ladies, since you're studying the giftings of the Holy Spirit, those giftings were given so that the church would be all that it could possibly be, bringing people to maturity. So Paul used the example of every member doing its part just as a body does. So as I pointed out before, I did it the other day. I was walking next to my bed, and, you know, they, they've got the four feet on the bed or whatever, and they strategically place them right at little toe level. Have you ever kicked it, stubbed your toe on that? And it's just a little toe. My Little toe's about that big. It's about that wide. But if you hit it on the bed frame, the whole body just goes in disarray. It starts yelling and screaming. Well, it didn't do that so much, but it was the oohing and aahing and jumping up and down because it really, really hurt. That little toe, I've discovered, it's important. I don't know everything that it does but i would imagine it pretty much probably keeps me balanced and moving forward and walking properly and all of that when it hurts the whole body hurts maybe you're just a little toe in the body of christ but don't discount it if you want to know your importance just cut off your little toe just snip it off after serve not in here because you'll make a mess but when you get home don't do that um but you'll see that this is going to disable the whole thing if you're not fulfilling regardless of who you are and when I say little toe, I'm not discounting the importance. This is the point, is how important every member of the body of Christ is. And so it's the Holy Spirit that, that fills us and that enables us for this work of ministry. But it's also a great equalizer, because it's the same God that empowers me for ministry, it's the same God that empowers you. And if God thinks it important to empower you that for that which he has called you to, then I would see, the, we all need to see the importance of that just as important as the person who is behind the pulpit. So to be anointed is to have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, and it's the Holy Spirit that dwells in us that causes us to abide in him. It's how I know I am abiding in Christ. So I've become born again, and now I start growing to the point of maturity. How do I know that, well, how do I know that that was effective for my salvation, what occurred so long ago? How do I know I'm in the will of God? How do I know I'm connected with the branch? Well, throughout your Christian life, you should see that evidence of the Holy Spirit working in you. Again, doing things that are beyond your ability, remembering things that are beyond your ability. As a church, and every member of the church is doing their part, As we're all coming together and fulfilling what God has called us to do, do you see the power behind that? Do you see the benefit of that? It's why the writer of Hebrews said, Do not neglect, I'm sorry, um, do not neglect the gathering together of the brethren. Why? Because as I need ministry, I'm coming to a place of people who are filled with the Holy Spirit for the purpose and the work of ministry. And I guarantee you, whatever it is that you are struggling with today, there's somebody here in this room, even right now, that is able to minister to you. And I guarantee you, if God has called you here, God will bring the two of you together if you're open to that. We can hinder the Spirit, we can grieve the Spirit, but I need to be open, we all need to be open to the leading of the Spirit. So, so far what we've seen here in chapter 2 as first is the person who abides in christ he walks as jesus walked in chapter 2 verse 6 he lived his life as christ did so holy spirit enables me to live my life according to the example of jesus christ not according to the magnitude of jesus christ he was perfect he was god but i see that i am to reach forward to the higher calling in christ jesus that i see jesus at the perfect example and that's what i need to obtain to Secondly, I see if we love our brothers and sisters, we abide in the light, we abide in the presence of God. Chapter two, verse 10, that's an outward example because I know before salvation, out in the world, I would probably love those people that had something for me or there was some benefit in my life, but if you didn't, if you required something of me, I'd probably consider you to be a nuisance or a pain. I didn't, wouldn't have that same love. The church is to have the, a genuine love for one another, and it's not going to be easy because it's supposed to be a sacrificial love. A sacrificial love is not sacrificial unless there's somebody that is hard to love or takes your energy or effort or the filling of the Spirit to do so. Thirdly, if the Word of God abides in us, we will be spiritually strong. Chapter 2, verse 14. We will understand that, wow, as I study the Word, as I consume the Word, it's truly having an effect upon my life. And you see the reality and the power of God. Yesterday, and I for what is it, three uh, Saturdays out of the month. Richard does the other one, but I teach at the convalescent home. And, and there's people there, and my wife has pointed this out, they're all in wheelchairs. And there's some that are even slumped over a little bit, and some you're not even sure if they're there. But after I finish teaching, I go and I greet each, each of them before I leave. And you can just see just the joy that they had because somebody came and, and taught them the Word of God. And I can see the Word of God working, not in all of them, because again, there's certain physical issues that are present there without a doubt, but I can just see the power of God's Word working in those people. And what God has placed it upon my heart is to prepare those people to be witnesses within that hospital. And so we see the reality of God's Word and how powerful it is, and really it's just an amazing thing. Fourthly, if we do the will of God, we shall abide forever. Chapter two, verse 17, it's to understand and to know to the best of our ability what the will of God is and to follow through in the will of God. And then in first John chapter two, verse 19, we see that unanointed teachers do not abide in godly fellowship or the past points that I talked about. And so again, there's a good evaluation of my Christian life. Am I, to the best of my ability, attempting to walk as Jesus did? Do I have a love for the brethren? Does the word of God live with inside of me? Do I have a desire to do God's will? Are are those things real and are they present in my life? If somebody tells me something, and even somebody who hurts my feelings, am I going to get all in the flesh or am I going to continue on in the spirit, keeping the unity of the brethren? These things will be foolishness to the natural man, but they're a reality to the spiritual man. They are things that we should be able to see in our lives. So I need to abide, or I need to continue in a certain state, condition, and activity. And these are the things that have been directed by me to God. Yesterday, some people came over to our house that I've known them, went to church with them since 1990, so for quite a while, for 30-some years. And it was just a blessing because as I'm sitting there, my wife and I are sitting with this, this man and his wife. They've been going through some hard things and some difficult days and some pretty serious physical situations. But one thing that I saw in them, they're abiding in the Lord. And, and I just see the joy in that. And it's an encouragement to me to see somebody walking that strongly for that period of time. Because I know quite a few people that have quit and have given up, or just like that apricot, fell off the vine and are destined for destruction. No longer connected to the vine and bear no fruit. Verse 24, Therefore, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning, that if you, that, I'm sorry, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and the Father. So why is the therefore, therefore? Well, the therefore is therefore because of verses 21 through 23, and I'll read those. It says, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ or the anointed one, that person is the antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either, and he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and the Father." if you do not want to be deceived, if you want to know that you continue in the truth and you want the assurance of hope, abide in that which you heard from the beginning. Have a decision to do it, a direction from God to do it, and be under the leading of the Holy Spirit to fulfill it. And so, remember the beginning of your Christian life? What was it that you heard? You heard the word of God. Somebody spoke the Word of God, and it was illuminated through the Holy Spirit. But see, it didn't just stop there. This is something to be a common occurrence throughout your whole life. Life. That which I heard from the beginning was the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit that was just that powerful enough to change and to alter my life. Once again, how many times have I said it? Look at the timeline of your life. You should see the day that you were born again. You should be able to look before that and see who you used to be. And you should be able to look after that and seeing whom you're becoming to be and see a great difference that occurred either on that specific day or during that time frame. There has to be that reality because the greatest witness in your life should be your changed life because you know it greater than anybody. If you see no change, then something's missing there, isn't it? It's that day that you should have become born again. You can make today that day, but nonetheless, as if you're a born again believer today, as you look back and you realize that process of salvation that God has used in your life, I should be able to see that today. Therefore, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. Again, the gospel. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, if the gospel continues to live with inside of you, then you will abide in the Son and the Father. So the word of God is a connection point through the power of the Holy Spirit that I understand that this is God's love letter to me. I, I, I got the mail a while ago, and I opened it up, and I opened up this one letter, and I'm thinking, this is a bill and I don't owe anybody $20,000. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm just beside myself, but then I looked, and it was written to somebody else. It was one of our neighbors. The, 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 believe it or not, the business over there next door to us, their 1957 cedar, we're 1957 vineyard. And so our mail gets mixed up. And I was relieved because that was somebody else's mail. They owe this person $20,000. And so, problem? I was reading somebody else's mail. If the Word of God is strange to you, maybe you're reading somebody else's mail. You're not part of the family of God, but if you desire or if you are part of the family of God, then it's going to minister to you, and then you will see the work of the Spirit working in your life for God's purposes of transformation and for growth. In James chapter 1, verse 21, we are told to, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. On that day that my soul was saved, the word was implanted in my life. And the term that he is using, that it is implanted, it germinates, and now it's going to bear fruit, or over time it's going to bear fruit. As you heard the gospel and it changed your life, continue in it, never stop. The word, but if we see, if we look at Jude Only one chapter, uh, verses 17 through 19, it says, but you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time, or antichrist, who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons, people who are living according to their own will and own desires, who cause division, not having the spirit. And so if you have the spirit, if the Spirit has convicted you, and the Spirit continues to convict you of things that are contrary to God, if the Spirit motivates you, you know that the Spirit dwells inside of you and that's a sign of your salvation. And so I heard the word of God and there's just something about it that just changed my life and continues to change my life. And then I do recognize that the Holy Spirit, well, good, remain in that, abide in it, grow in it, acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's God, you can pray to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come upon me, Holy Spirit, enable me, give me the assurance of my salvation, but the motivation for your call and your will in my life. And again, the Word of God, just recognizing it as it is, God's love letter to his people. And again, if it's just completely foreign to you, maybe you're reading somebody else's mail, but you can come in to the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So continue in the the pure milk of the Word until you reach maturity and when you reach maturity you're not done because then you start teaching others and seeing others grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ why because God's gospel was good enough to save us and grow us so do not neglect it do not minimalize it do not alter it for any new and improved belief movement or sensation we're always looking for something new And you'll hear something, and unfortunately, a lot of times secular TV or exposés will reveal these things, some latest movement within the church. And it's always new and improved. It's always better than before. Well, unfortunately, they have put lipstick on a pig. They've taken their false teaching and their defilement of God's Word. They made it to look like something pretty, but in actuality, it's still something unclean. Anything added to the Word of God is unclean the Word of God, and the will of God, and living a Christian life is hard. It's difficult. It takes energy and effort. God will enable us, but it's going to take you dying to yourself. That's a reality. Anything that tries to take that dynamic of difficulty out of it, they're deceiving you, and, and, and usually they're convincing you to stay inactive and to, and to receive of that which is easy. That's not Christianity. Christianity, you're going to suffer tribulation you're going to you're going to encounter conflict in your life those are just simple realities i think it was last week we looked at the reality of spiritual warfare maybe it was in another bible study i'm teaching too many bible studies lately i can't change remember what's what but it's okay spiritual warfare is a reality And so these things, we have to continue to push forward, to reach forward according to that higher calling in Christ Jesus. And it's going to take energy and it's going to take effort. Now I can use the energy and effort of my flesh, or I can have the desire and allow God to fuel my energy and effort and move forward in my Christian life. And especially in these days that we live in today, there's so much opposition that is out there. Once again, Paul told Timothy, this time in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17, but you must, look how convincing he's trying to be, because Timothy was kind of timid. And he's trying to push this young man forward. Second Timothy is the last epistle that the apostle Paul would write. And he's understanding Timothy's going to be the one to pick up the mantle. So his encouragement, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And Paul's not impressing him or inserting himself there. As we'll see in John, this is the Spirit that has has taught Timothy not just through Paul but also through his relatives. Verse fifteen, and that from childhood you have known the holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, or breathed by the mouth of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God, and this applies to men or women, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That the man of God would be mature, he would be prepared for any good work which God has before them. So, ladies or gentlemen, are you prepared for a good work that God may set before you? If God brought somebody into your life, and let's just make it the easiest as we possibly can, somebody comes up to you and says, Hey, what must I do to be saved? are you able? And and your answer isn't, let me go get Pastor Mike. I remember I had somebody, I was at home, it was in the evening, and somebody called and said, hey, this person wants to be born again, let me give you the phone. And that was fine, and I explained it to him. but God's wanting to use you at that point. And, And the people that he brings into your life out there in the streets or whatever, maybe, you know, as you go about your life, he's brought you because of who you are. Because your personality is going to minister to them because of how you look I mean all of these things work together for God and it's just gonna open these little doors for the gospel to go into the soul of that person God wants to use you to bring somebody into the kingdom of God. Are you prepared for that good work? Or you run into a born-again believer who's backslidden and is out there out in the wilderness, and God wants to use you to bring them back in to the shadow of God's wings. Are you prepared to do that? As we sit in Bible study after Bible study after Bible study, they're all designed to bring us to the point of maturity that when I have the opportunity of leading somebody to salvation, I'm prepared to do that. When I have the opportunity to strengthen the brethren, I'm prepared to do that. This is the reality of what the church is. It's not just, hey, that's the guy behind the pulpit. He does all the work. I don't mind. Matter of fact, it's a fault of mine. I will do all the work. But that's not what christianity is all about it's about doing it's about coming together and preparing that we would all do what god has set before us verse 25 and this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life who is the us who received eternal life those who abide in christ and have the assurance that they are his There's a couple of places where John has recorded Jesus's promises of eternity to us in his gospel. In John chapter 6 verse 40 he says, And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up the last day. For those who abide in Christ, that's an awesome promise. And don't just let that slip by your head. And you know, one of these cross references that he's brought you to, that's nice, let's move on. No, this is the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the father who sent Jesus that everyone who sees the son, how do we see today is by the sharing of God's word and believes in him may have, it's not like you might have, the idea is a surety here, have everlasting life and I will raise him up that last day. In John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, Jesus had just told his apostles that he is going to die upon the cross. And this is the assurance that they and we have from God. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, and you need to receive this, you need to internalize this, I will come again and receive you to myself, and where I am, there you may be also, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me." Again, these great promises that we have in the Lord. How do, Pastor Mike, how do do you know they're really true? Because the Spirit within my soul has illuminated these things, the truthfulness of them. Everything that has occurred in my life according to the Word of God from this point to the past has been right, good, and true. God has been faithful for every step of the way. And if you look back at your life, you'll see the movement of God's hand in your life for the fun, good things, but also in the midst of the hard things as well. But you'll see how God has delivered you from every difficult day and every hardship. And so the same God that has been faithful up to this point is going to be the same God who is going to be faithful all the way through until you arrive at his doorstep at the throne room of God. And again, these are great assurances we have, and you need to possess them. But the only way you can truly possess them is to have the surety by being connected to the bind or abiding in Christ, looking at the list that I have read earlier. And so the promises that God has given us, they carry current blessings and future blessings. The current blessings that we have is Jesus Christ with us, the Lord watching over us and the Lord protecting us. And again, if this life is taken from us, then we have eternal life in the presence of God. I was talking to somebody, again, the other day, and it was a woman speaking of her husband who was dealing with cancer. And she was saying at one point, she was just praying that God would take him, you know, because she knew where, she didn't want to lose him. Get rid of him, Lord, no. She she didn't want to lose him, but she had a confidence of where he was going. And I'm just thinking, man, what great faith what great faith to be able to release a loved one into the hands of God. Would you be able to do that? If your spouse isn't able to do that, then are you truly abiding in Christ? If your loved ones aren't able to do that, are you really abiding in Christ? This woman had an assurance of her husband abiding in Christ that she could pray that prayer. And as it turned out, God didn't want him at that point, and he's doing a lot better but nonetheless we may see these things that we have these current blessings for the things that go on today but also future blessings in John 17 3 and this is eternal life that you may know that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent no longer just know of but that we would have that personal relationship with God to understand that he's there for us, to understand the magnitude of the love which he has displayed for us, or to us. Verse 26, these things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you, the Antichrist once again, these things I have written to you, and he's pretty much speaking of verses 18 through 23, again what we looked at last week, and he's really speaking of those who do not possess the holy spirit those who do not possess the holy spirit are opponents of god and again they present themselves as angels of light they'll be good looking and what i mean by good looking there'll be an appeal there an exterior appeal, an outward appealing there their their speech will you know what did paul tell timothy the tickle your ears they'll be really funny they'll be a really good teacher how could somebody like that be evil? How could somebody that? But when you strip all of that away, what are you left with? When you take down the facade, what is there? Is it the truth of God's word, or is there just a lot of fluff? Is is it just a vapor? Is there anything really to grasp onto, to live a life that is pleasing to God, and especially as the difficult days come? Because again, as Jay Vernon would say, that's where the rubber meets the road. If you don't know who Jay Vernon, who who knows who Jay Vernon McGee is? Okay, I just want to make sure that I'm not just... J. J. Vernon McGee, he, he went to be with the Lord. I think it was in the 80s. He was a preacher from Oklahoma. And uh, he, he spoke with this deep accent. Matter of fact, when we first got saved, my wife would have him on the radio. And it's like, turn that guy off. But after you get used to the accent, he had a lot of good truths there. One of his favorite sayings is, when the ru- Where the rubber meets the road. My dearly beloved, where the rubber meets the... Anyway, I'm not a good Okie. That's why I married one. The rubber meets the road, as if your belief carries you through to the difficult day, and the most difficult of days is the day of death, because there's no other philosophy that is able to meet man at his death as the gospel is able to meet us. Verse 27, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. This verse presents a very interesting question. It seems that we should not receive a teaching from any man. I was not going to teach this today because that means I'm without a job. Really what he's speaking of is it's not me who teaches you. Your favorite teacher on the radio, it's not him who teaches you it's the Spirit who teaches you. If you look in Romans chapter 12, you'll see one of the giftings of the Holy Spirit is teaching. And that's the Holy Spirit working through somebody and teaching you and giving you wisdom and giving you understanding. If you think it's the man or if the man thinks it's, it's, it's of him, then that's not of the Spirit. It, it's got to be what the Spirit has to say to Calvary Chapel, Ontario on this fine day and it's the Spirit who works through the Word of God and ministers to your soul. That's how, and I've had it happen so many times. I'll be in the back and some you know, when you said this, it just ministered to me, and I'm thinking, I don't know what you were listening to, but I never said that. But it was the Spirit that spoke to their hearts, and they heard what the Spirit had to say. And it ministered to them and met them the situations and circumstances that they were dealing with. If we had everybody stand up and give a testimony of what you're dealing with today, there's going to be, as many people here, there's going to be that many different situations. But God's word is sufficient for all. And God is going to make it unique. Now, it's the Holy Spirit as he ministers through the person speaking the words, but it's also the Holy Spirit as he ministers to you and gives you understanding or gives you the ability to digest God's word into your life. I'll usually pray before I come up here, and sometimes as I'm up here, Lord, just fill me with your spirit. Give me the ability to rightly divide your word. But I'll also pray, Lord, fill them with your spirit. Give them the ability to be able to hear your word and to do your word. And and really, I don't say them, I say us, because I need to do these things as well, just as surely as, as you do. And so man will teach according to what feels right. God will teach according to what is right. Now, according to John, what teaches us, again, is the anointing. And we have seen that the Holy Spirit is the anointing. So it's the Holy Spirit who teaches us. And we know through experience that he does not just pour knowledge into our heads, but he uses fellow believers. It started at the beginning, John chapter 16. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But Jesus said, when the Spirit comes to you... And this is the spirit as he worked through the apostles as they were going out and sharing the word of god to those who were not saved they were convicted of sin righteousness and judgment and those who were convicted and saw that they were sinners and realized the necessity for a savior were saved and so it was the spirit that was working but the spirit who works through righteous men and women who are obedient to the word of god and even today God has gifted, as I've said earlier, people through his spirit for the work that he has. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, and this is speaking of Jesus Christ, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why? You would ask, it's implied, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. How long does this go on for? Verse 13, till we all, till everybody, notice he says we, not you, we all come to the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect or to a mature man, to the measure of the stature and the fullness of Christ. When does that happen? Never. It's that which we are constantly working towards, again, reaching forward to that higher calling, higher calling in Christ Jesus. But that higher calling is always unobtainable. But the athlete realizes this concept as he's preparing for the event, boxer, football, football season now, so football season. They know that they're never gonna be the perfect human, but what are they doing? They're constantly stretching themselves. They're constantly working out, stretching the limits so that they're able to compete. We need to stretch the limits so that we're able to move forward. verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cutting craftiness of deceitful plotting. What are those men called? Antichrist, those who are not anointed. But as far as us, those who are of the Lord, Christians, but speaking the truth in love may grow up or mature in all things into him who is the head, Christ. And so this is the work that God has done through the Holy Spirit. So remember how God has revealed himself to you, because this is the point that John is using back in 1 John chapter 2. He revealed himself to me by the word of God and through the Holy Spirit. We're we're told that in John chapter 3 verse 5 when he's speaking to Nicodemus. He says, he answered Nicodemus and said, most surely I say to you, unless one is born of the water, and when we study that, we know that that means the word of God and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. An experience should be should play that through within our lives. I heard the word of God and power of the Holy Spirit. So somewhere, somehow, in some way, someone shared the word of God with you. It was the good news. You came to that realization. It's just what you needed and it's what God wanted in order to change your life. It's that which cut deep into your soul and it opened up and it revealed yourself to yourself that I'm a sinner. And you realized how desperately lost you really were. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts intent of the heart and the intents of the heart. The idea is is this double-edged sword, it penetrates because that's what a double-edged sword would be used for in battle, and what it does is it opens up the inside of the person and reveals what is in there. And just as with a physical body, if you cut open, there's a lot of ugliness in there. It's not pretty to look at. It's the same thing when we were ministered the word of God and we saw ourselves for who we were, wasn't very pretty. It was kind of ugly to look at. But the word of God, and this is kind of a funny saying, so hear me out, the word of God is not enough. It's not enough to bring you into truth and to keep you there. Keep in mind, the Gnostics of John's day, the Antichrist of our day, they know the word of God. They may even read the Word of God. I know people who have read the Word of God and know the Word of God back and forth, but they're not saved. What is missing is the Holy Spirit who makes the Word of God come alive. Because remember, the person who isn't saved, even though he's reading the Bible, he's reading somebody else's mail. There has to be the Spirit working on his heart, convicting his heart of sin, righteousness, and judgment that he would come to the realization through reading the word of God that I'm a sinner and then he would submit himself to God through belief. If the skeptic is just reading the word of God and he's just doing it to start an argument or whatever it might be, just to gather ammunition, He's not doing himself any good. Matter of fact, he's going to be more accountable on the day of judgment. Now it's a good, don't get me wrong, it's a good place for him to be because prayerfully that the word of God would convict him and the Spirit would do a work in their lives. But what I need to understand, what I need to know, it was the word of God at the beginning, it's the word of God today, and it's the word of God in the future, all illuminated by the Holy Spirit so that I know that I am abiding in Christ and I would have a surety of my standing with the Lord. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 13, but as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world or the personality of the world, but the spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So, just in closing, for those who are born again, Seek the Lord out in his word. It's essential, the word of God, not discounting that at all. But also, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Give me understanding as I'm going to church. Fill me with your spirit. Give me understanding what the pastor has to say. As I'm sitting on my couch in the morning during the week, give me understanding, Lord, as I open your word and what you want to speak to me today. Because you see how those two things work hand in hand for the purpose of growing us, maturing us, and preparing you, especially for that person. Hey, What do I need to do to become born again? That you'd be able to give them an answer and you would see that miracle of God working in through your life and into the life of somebody else. Father, I pray that we would be a people who abide. And Father, we can so easily reduce ourselves to just the monotony of life and, and even the work within the church because it is work. And, and Lord, these things can even in our hearts become stale if we allow them to, if we fail to realize, Lord, the work that you do through these things into the lives of others. And so, Father, Keep us a people who are passionate about you. I pray, Lord, that we, well, we just thank you, God, that you have given us your word today. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would illuminate these things. Again, with so many lives that are represented here, I pray, Lord, that you would make these things applicable, doable in the lives that are represented here, Father, that we would glorify you in all that we do. And so, Lord, I pray that we would submit ourselves to you and God, you would just have your way with us. Just do that great work which you have called us to. And Lord, just set opportunity before our eyes and may, bottom line, we just be counted faithful, just pushing forward, reaching forward to that higher calling in Christ Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.